delighted to be able to um, to be together, and and we've said it already, but this is really about you and um, what you want to do in us and also through us. How privileged are we not to be able to to have that done? And as we open your word for this next while. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so kind to talk to us. And I'm so, so dependent upon you, and I'm so thankful to you. You're an amazing God. And you stir us, Lord God, towards more. Help us as your church never to become content and say, well, this is where I've got to now. I ain't going to go any further. <laughs> Help us to grow, to mature, to be transformed. And may our time in your word right now lead to even more transformation. I trust you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You've got to just be aware of the fact that Galatians 5 verse 22 is our focus. And it will be our focus for a while. We're talking about what it means to be seated in Christ. And what it means to be sealed with the Spirit of God. And so we're on this journey to discover more about Holy Spirit and who He is as a person. We've gone through that over the last couple of weeks. And, and we have now been able to pause a little bit around Galatians 5 verse 22 where it talks about the, yeah, that stuff, the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've, we've, we're on this slow journey. Say with me, slow. Yeah. Great, I received that. Thank you. Um, where we're going through the fruits. And so love has been our first focus and we're now on to joy. And uh, we just got to recap a little bit. Last week, we, we started talking about the importance of being fruitful is so dependent upon our faithfulness. Hence, faithfulness, faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. You agree? If you're faithful in, in just enjoying God and walking with God, then fruitfulness comes. Faithful in your relationship with Jesus through a consistent and living connection with Him leads to fruitfulness. So hence, we are not discussing the fruit to try to dissect exactly what they mean. We're trying to lure one another into a greater level of faithfulness. So that the result of that would be fruitfulness. Amen? And so joy is definitely dependent upon your faithfulness and my faithfulness. And that's where we spoke about it last week, that there's effort involved. The more you're faithful, your fruitfulness will increase. There's no doubt about that. And so we, we're going to keep on helping one another around the, the beauty of that, that it's not just about the fruit, but it is about the faithful aspect involved in that. And so this morning, we, as we continue talking about joy, I need you to understand again that our connection to Christ, our connection to Holy Spirit and to the Father is the key for, in our focus this morning, for joy. And the others as we'll go from here. Last week we started talking about the evidence of joy in some of the characters in the Bible. Those of you that were here remember we spoke about David. And then we went on to Nehemiah. And this morning we're going to jump from the old into the new. And I want to show you just some of the evidence of joy 
and how it was reflected and how it was spoken of through some characters in the New Testament. Our main character of the New Testament is who? Jesus, great. That's good. That's good. So I want you to take up um, or go to your Bibles with me into the chapter of the second chapter of Luke. We're going to see how, how Jesus and joy is, is related to one another. Jesus and joy. And so it's actually quite a difficult concept for many of us to understand that there's joy connected to Christ. Because so much of what we read about Jesus is, is about the, the ridicule he went through, the sorrow he experienced, the, the difficulty of his life. We don't easily connect the aspect of joy to him, isn't it? Not that Jesus was not joyful. It's just that when we look at him and consider him, we read about him, it's like, whoa, I don't see much joy there. But there was and there is. Actual fact, when he's introduced, read with me Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. So now he's, he's about to come. He's about to come into this beautiful thing called earth. And this is how it's announced. And it says in verse 8, this is a typical Christmas Day message, but hey, we're, we're about how many days away from Christmas? Not too far. Um, it says in the same region, verses 8 of chapter 2 in Luke, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Notice, great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Just look at the opposites here. Great fear and great joy. And the angel comes and says, do not fear. I bring you good news of great joy. And so great joy is introduced through not a a ritual or a formula of houses how you will have great joy. Now, the, the aspect, the beautiful concept of, of, of great joy is introduced through a person. So the key again, ladies and gentlemen, is not how hard you and I try. But we've got to connect ourselves to the person of Jesus Christ, because this is what's introduced here. So Jesus arrives on the scene, and these real life issues that people deal with is contradicted with his news, the news about him. It says, Don't fear. And we all, don't we all live in a world that's wrong? My hand, should I just pause? I'm not back yet. I'm still pausing. One, two. Uh, I can hear myself. Thanks, blessing. Can I carry on? Yeah, thank you. Great fear and great joy. And, and that's what we live in, isn't it? We live in a world of fear. Maybe some of you have come with some real fears in your life this morning. The fear about tomorrow, the fear about work, the fear about an income, the fear about your health, the fear about relationships, the fear about whatever it is, fear about being accepted, 
The fear about being understood, wrongly understood. But in the midst of this, we have this beautiful message that comes. It says, I can turn great fear into great joy. And it's all hinged on the person of Jesus Christ. And you know what I found just recently in my life? And I think of, of, of David where he writes in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, Lord, help me not to, to lose the joy of my salvation. Restore, he uses these words. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I found myself this week listening to the stories of people. Just some testimonies, and I, I'm listening to some podcasts from uh, a gentleman in the, in the UK that, that, that interviews people who has gone through just incredible stories. Uh, the one guy was a soccer hooligan, and he was a drug addict, and he was an alcoholic, and, and, and um, just the, the stories that he talks about is just horrendous. And then he tells about how he was on the street, this bench where he was sleeping, and and some people came and started talking to him about Jesus <laughs> and how they changed his life. And I, and I realized the joy of salvation is something that we, as, as believers, we've walked with God for a long time. We, we, we sometimes we lose that. Like, yeah. There's another story about this lady that, um, again, just she could never fall pregnant and never have children. And during her story, she tells you that after the sixth child, how God had just changed her life, you know. But her story of, 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 of salvation is how she had moved into a certain village in the UK and she had this, this neighbor that, that just frequently visited her and started talking to her and befriended her. And she subsequently found out that this lady had, had lost a child. But she was a believer. And, and she asked her the question, so, you know, how come you... You still keep on loving God, even though you've lost a child. And the response was, either you lose your faith or you, you grow your faith. Through moments like that. And it started speaking to her. And subsequently, she gave her life to the Lord. Just these stories, and I could keep you busy of some of the things that I've been listening to. I, I was watching something again on a lady that, that was deeply deeply caught in, in lesbianism for her whole life, for such a long period of her life. And then she had this gentleman, she posted something, it's a story from the States, where she posted something on a local newspaper about her convictions about, about homosexuality and how this is right and how that is right. And, and she said she got all this mail back. And so she said one of the mail that she received back was from... A pastor. She thought, oh, this guy's going to probably knock me down, you know. And he just wrote to her in such a loving, kind way. And also invited her to come for dinner with, her, with him and his wife. And she said that led to, she says, 500 dinners. <laughs> but the story of how she changed and saw the beauty of It's a professor in psychology and something. And she's deeply intellectual, but how God helped her to see the beauty of the Bible. She said she started reading the Bible. He said, she said that he, this man never condemned her for what she was doing. He just said to her, let me help you read through the Bible. And as she read through the Bible, she saw the grace of God and she saw the light. And she subsequently became a born-again believer. And, and I realized, man, the joy of salvation 
is one of the real joys that we ought to live with. And it's the joy of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. So you know what? We, we try to find joy in all sorts of things. But there's, if you're a born-again believer this morning, try to just go back to, to the moment <laughs> that things changed for you. That, that process that you went through of seeing your life turn from where you were into where you are now. The joy of that. Find joy in that again. And, and if you're sitting here this morning and you've never experienced that joy of transitioning from here unto there, we'd love to help you. Because it is a joyous thing. Amen? Come on. <laughs> this is now where you're going to like, please support me in this. <laughs> because there are people in our midst, even this morning possibly, that have never experienced the joy of salvation. So Jesus, when he's introduced, he is introduced with someone that brings great joy. So don't try to find it anywhere else, but firstly with Christ. That the second verse I want to take you to, to try to just help us understand about joy, is, is still in Luke, where, where Jesus is now going to, again, help us understand this. In, in Luke chapter 10, we have this beautiful um, portion where Jesus sends out the 72, and we're not going to be able to go through all of that, and he tells them to go and, and, and saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly and go your way. I'm sending you out and go and preach the gospel. And, and so upon their return, we, we find this in uh, verse 17. You're with me, Luke 10, verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with, with joy. <laughs> so again, hey, listen, you're battling with joy. Just go tell somebody else about Jesus. Oh, there's great fear for some of us. No, no, no. Just start doing it and you'll see how great joy comes to your heart. It says they returned with great joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. True, you've got authority. And all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. By the way, that's just a simple encouragement to you this morning. We're not going to preach into that. But there's great joy that, listen, the enemy is out there. But don't live in fear. Live in the great joy of the Lord. That you have authority over the enemy to speak to and say, hey, listen, get out of my life. Leave my family. Stop putting your influence in my life. Start praying against it. You have the authority, it says. Then it says, nevertheless, verse 20, do not rejoice in this. Like, oh, they just come back. They're like, man, Jesus, did you know what we, he's like, yeah, I knew everything. I could see, I know. It's like, Jesus knows everything. He says to them, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. How's that? He encourages them with what real joy looks like. That real joy is not found in the temporary stuff here on earth. The stuff that we experience, he says, you're going to help me, you're going to help understand that joy is an eternal thing. It's not a momentary thing, a temporary thing. It's an eternal thing. And where do we find eternal joy? It's in the fact that this life is not it. This is only but a glimpse. This is only a short period of our lives. And we try to get so much out of this life. Jesus comes and says, no, 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 don't try to find it here. Know that it's found in Psalm 
one. It's not a place. He says, your names are written in heaven. It's far superior to anything we can experience on earth. Sure. Just a, just a, a friendly reminder this morning that it is not wrong to be joyful with things that you experience here on earth. But those things last only for a moment. Real joy, my friend, is in Jesus. Is in the fact that he has come to save us, that, that should I pass from here, she's the greatest joy ever awaits me. So you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen? <laughs> You're like, man, I'm, I'm happier in Zim. I'm like, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, it's like, I know you're happy. I'm so happy that you're happy. <laughs> but I want to stir you that this is not the ultimate form of happiness. The fact that you've had Zesa for like, how many days now without a break? How many can say amen to that? Yay, you can. I just want to say you ain't seen nothing yet. That's not real joy. Huh? <laughs> Like your wife has been nice to you for how long now? How many of you can say amen to that? She's been kind. She's fed you. Amen. I just want to say, Roy, you ain't seen nothing yet, bro. <laughs> There's much more. Not many more wives. <laughs> amen. So there's, there's joy in something much bigger. And then it says, listen to verse 21. Yeah, this goes even deeper. In that same hour, as Jesus is talking to his, his disciples that have returned with this great joy, it says in that same hour, not Jesus. This is probably one of the, probably one or two places only in the Gospels that we see Jesus expressing joy. He's a joyful person, but where we record, where, we have, where it's being recorded that he had joy, it says in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father. See where he finds his joy now, hey? I thank you, Father. Oh, by the way, this is a beautiful portion where the Trinity is, is celebrated. We don't find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible. But here we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's rejoicing going on. Jesus is rejoicing in the Spirit. It's like Holy Spirit is even helping him to rejoice. In what? Not that the... The men had come out and, and gone out and the people had gone out and they'd seen all these things happen. But he rejoices in this. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Amazing. Jesus is rejoicing, firstly, in the Father's will. For it was the Father's will, and it is the Father's will, that he says, according to Jesus, that not only the, the intellectual, the smart ones, <laughs> the clever ones, will be able to understand this. But even the ordinary people like you and me, we're going to understand what salvation is. We're going to understand who God is. We're able to understand the things of God. And Jesus says, that Brings me such joy because your message, who you are, and your will is made known to everyone. Not just to the wise and the understanding ones. By the way, I don't know how many of your Bibles would only use the word rejoice in verse 21. It says, in that same hour he rejoiced. 
But actually, it's an incorrect translation. It's not fully expressing what really is happening. Sometimes we, our, our English language does not have, sometimes I, that we don't fully translate it from the Greek into what it's supposed to sound like. Because if you go to the Greek word here, which is agaliao, agaliao, it really means to be exceedingly glad. Not just he rejoiced. He was like leaping with joy. He was greatly rejoicing. And so he's greatly rejoicing in the fact that, that this mysterious God for many people have become real. And he's saying, that's an amazing, amazing thing. It brings my heart great joy. He says, I thank you, Father. He rejoices in the gospel. And the fact that the mystery of the gospel is not available for the wise and clever people only, but the most educated only, but for ordinary people like you. And when Jesus sees the Father freely enlightening and saving people, he exalts in the Holy Spirit and takes pleasure in his Father's ways. Like, Father, you bring me great joy. Your ways are higher than man's ways. And I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus is actually saying that ordinary people can understand it. And it's such a joyful thing. Such a joyful thing. He indicates through this that we... We too can be liberated from the sorrow of the time we are in by the joy of the Father's will. So again, the more we get to know Jesus and Holy Spirit and the Father, and particularly the Father's will, you'll see joy come up. You're faithful to, to pursue the truth of the Father's will you will see the fruit of joy rising up in you. Jesus, agaliao, he rejoiced greatly. He was exceedingly glad. Why? Not just because the, the demons were listening to his disciples. But he said, because the Father's will of inclusivity has become real. And that's why I think when Jesus left, he didn't leave with this deep sorrow in his heart. You don't read that in scripture. They're like, <coughs> Father. I mean, he was in agony before he died, but there was no agony before he left. Come on. It was not like, hey guys, I'm, I'm going to go away, but I actually rather prefer to stay here. I think Jesus was so joyful that the Father's will was not going to be implemented in a real way that he's going to be out of the picture so that they could carry on. Simple, ordinary people like you and me. Look at the simple, ordinary neighbor that you're sitting with. Say, I'm so glad that I'm ordinary. <laughs> the Father's will was that Jesus would come, introduce this new way, and then the Father would say, now Jesus, come. And Jesus is like, I'm exceedingly glad that I can leave them in good hands, in the hands of the Spirit of God, so that they can carry on with the work of, the, of God. But it brings me great joy that actually now it's available for anyone. And everyone is included. You're included, my friend. You're included. That should bring you joy. It brought joy to Jesus. 
So if it doesn't bring joy to you, then we've got to slow down. Okay, rewind this thing. Okay, where have things gone wrong? Because Jesus is joyful about your inclusion. You and I should too. Amen? <laughs> we read further in this portion in verse 22. It says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And it says, And then in turning to the disciples, He said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. He's like, guys, you know how much, how much joy this actually should bring to you? You're experiencing something beautiful. He says, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. And to us too today, we have been able, who has come to open our eyes? We were not physically there. None of you were, hey? Any disciples here of Jesus that were around 2,000 years ago, please reveal yourself. It's like, if you could stand up, you'd be very strong because, I mean, you'll be 2,000 plus years old. None of us were around there. But we are around today. And the one that comes to open our eyes to see the things that some kings wanted to see, people have been yearning to see, you and I can see today the truth of the gospel that should bring you joy. Amen? You're seeing it. You've got the scripture. How many of you got more than one Bible at home? Come on. It's amazing. You, you're in a category that, that few people can fit into across the world. And, and, and how many of you know that if you start reading the Bible, it, it's like, man, this is beautiful. Amen? I mean, there's still many things that I'm like, God, I don't understand this. Please help me. And he's faithful. But the point is, we are starting to see. We have been hearing. We have been seeing. We've been tasting of the goodness of God. That should bring us joy. Amen? Come on. I mean, the stuff that we're going through here in life is so limited in terms of creating this kind of eternal joy in our lives. There's joy. I love that song. There's that song. There's joy in the house. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Anyway, so still on Jesus, I want to take you to John. And we, we don't have enough time to go through all of this. Um, but John chapter 15, it's a well-known portion. You know about the fruit or the tree, the vine and the, and the branches and how we are pruned and whatever else. And, and then it says in verse 2 that um, in John 15, and every branch in me says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So just a warning to you, if you are carrying fruit and bearing fruit in your life, God wants to keep on pruning you. How many of you are up for pruning? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if I want to raise my hand. Well, if you've got Jesus in your life and you connected to him, you're going to best start bearing fruit, and you have been, but there's a pruning process that needs to take place. And don't try to prune each other. Huh? Some of you walking around with the scissors and like, hey, um, Simon, why don't you just come? I think there's a couple of things that I need to help you with. No, no, no. Let the Father prune us. All right? And, and he's very good with that. Sometimes he does use people for um, just helping us see some things that need to be considered, you know, to be pruned. But anyway, so he's in this process of, of wanting us to bear fruit and pruning is involved in that. 
And he says, actually, it's proof of you being a disciple is that we bear fruit. In verse 8, it says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear how much fruit? Much fruit. So don't be content with a little. I've just pushed out one little thing this week. And I was so kind to one individual at, um, at school or wherever it was in the shops. And no, no, that, he says, I want you to bear much fruit. And then it carries on. And, and then Jesus in verse 9, it says, as the Father has loved me. So see this, this, this incredible context is Jesus and the Father. As the Father has loved me, so I have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he says, you know, the Father and I, we love you and abide in my love. And out of loving, receiving my love, there's a simple thing called obedience that comes. Can't just say, oh, I'm so in love with Jesus. And then he says, well, do the following. Like, I'm so in love with Jesus, but I'm going to do that stuff. That's part of bearing fruit, is that we do what is supposed to be done. And then in verse 11, look at this. He says, these things that he has been speaking about, these things I've spoken to you, why? That my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, complete. It's amazing that, that if we abide in his love and, and keep his commandments, there's, a, there's joy that's going to come from that. So again, this, this, this task and this effort of being faithful in my walk with God will bring about this fullness of joy. Not just some joy, but fullness of joy. You and I can experience it today in our journey with Jesus. And it was great yesterday afternoon at, at about 5 o'clock. We got 12 millimeters of rain at our house. It's like, there, it brought me great joy. Boom, Zesar goes. <laughs> it's like when we, when we have thunder and lightning in this, I'm like, oh, well, let's just protect the transformers, Jesus. And I'm like, dang, Zesar goes. I'm like, what am I going to know? Thank you, God, for the rain. It's like, oh, Zesar. It's like, mm, where am I? None of those things are eternal. Amen? None of those things can sustain us. Zessa will never sustain you. Neither will rain. But God, in His love and His kindness, through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, will sustain you and will keep your joy at maximum. You don't have to walk around with a superficial smile. It's just this inner joy that nothing can take from you. John 17, Jesus again is referring to this kind of joy. He's it's a beautiful portion, and again, I wish we had the time, but John 17 is this, is this prayer that he has, and he's talking to his father, and in the midst of that, it brings in this, this concept of joy. Again, it, it's, not, it's not related to something. It's related to someone. John 15, it, we see it's the vine and the vine dresser and, and our relationship. And John 17, he prays. He says, God, may they also be one as you and I are one. And in the midst of that, in verse 13, he prays to Father. He says, but now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. My joy. Jesus found his greatest joy in his relationship with his Father. 
says, I don't do anything unless I hear from the Father. My will is to please the Father. So there was great joy for him. And now Jesus prays this very thing for us. And he says, my joy is found where? In the Father. In the Father. In the Father's will. Not my will be done, but your will. Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How's that? So there was joy in, in being on the cross. Because he was fulfilling. It didn't look like a joyful thing. It was physical agony. But Jesus experienced this true joy of saying, you know what? I'm fulfilling the Father's will. The joy of Jesus was found in something much deeper than meets the eye. Or the senses that we had. Because it was not physically seen on his countenance. Because we would not acquaint joy with things like poverty or criticism or betrayal. But Jesus went through all of that and prayed that his joy might become our joy in the midst of what he went through. So what kind of joy was this then? It was obviously something that was found deep within the soul. It was not a joy that flowed from the senses. Into the soul, it was flowing the other way. And we have how many senses? Five of them that we use often to determine our sense of fulfillment, contentment, happiness, and joy. We have eyesight, we hear. We taste, we feel, and we smell. Oh yeah, my nose. So we go to, oh, that smells nice. Oh, mom's cooking something good. To, yeah, that brings joy. I'm listening to music. Oh, that brings me joy. Oh, I saw something. I saw a brand new, whatever it is. That brought me joy. So what we live with in the world of, 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 of our sensual stuff is we, we notice these things through our five senses and then we let them hopefully come and bring some form of joy deep down inside. But Jesus taught us something that joy does not come through our senses, but joy comes from deep within. So that then when we speak and we live our lives, that we then distribute and talk about this deep joy from within. Our joy should be an inward joy first. It thrives when any other joy fails. How many of you know that what we sense and what we see and what we hear and what we smell and what we you know, taste, those things are temporal. Things are temporal. But the inner joy that comes through this deep connection with Jesus and the Father is something that lasts forever. Look at how it happened. I've got to read to you this. Luke 4, 24. We're coming in to close. Luke 24. Actually, I've never seen this. I've read this, but I never really saw it. Luke 24 is the last two verses of this, of this book. In verse 50, Jesus is about to go. It says in verse 50, Luke 24, and as he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. 
And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. <laughs> Listen to this. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we continue in the temple blessing God. I'm like, man, how in the world did that take place? It's like Jesus. Somebody that had given of his time, his life, his everything for them. They had journeyed with him for three years plus. And, and they would spent almost every day together with him. And he's gone and they go home rejoicing. <laughs> and, and, and we don't experience that. When we see a loved one go, we don't not necessarily see it. But when that happens to us, it is a deep, deep hurting moment. And rightfully so. But it seems like there was something that was deep within their souls that they understood what God was doing and who God is, that it was not going to leave them. They're not going to end up in despair and being all alone, that they could return to Jerusalem, what it says here, worshiping Him and with great joy. Remember the good news of great joy that was introduced when Jesus was born. It's still real when he leaves. So when you and I go through our moments where we feel something has departed from us, something has left us, something has been stolen from us, there's still the possibility of great joy because it's not linked to our situations and our circumstances. It's linked to this king that's real and who's alive. And so here we see a, a consequence of Jesus' departure did not leave them in a place of, I would have probably been complaining. How could you? How could you? And don't we often find that we come to God and, how could you? You've, you've left us alone. He says, actually, it's better that I go. It's better that things change in our lives because then we become more desperate for God. And that our joy will not be dependent upon our circumstances and the, and, and the bank rate and the exchange rate and the Zesa situation and, 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 and any given thing that we go through, but it's dependent upon your faithfulness to Jesus to tap into Him because your fruitfulness comes from that. Joy for us starts from knowing the gospel and appreciating it. Joy becomes this pervasive, general, or common state of well-being when we live with a deep knowledge and awareness of the good God we serve. Joy is developed when we put into an, an effort into growing in this knowledge of who our great our God is. Joy speaks of a deep sense of satisfaction that can only be found in a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Joy comes from an awareness of a secured future, Jesus and, and eternity. Joy is not something we create, earn, or deserve. Joy, joy doesn't just happen. It's a result of a plan to restore our souls. What your soul knows will determine the extent of your joy. So I want to close by just asking questions. I love asking questions. Guys are sorting out the generator, so don't worry. We cannot now at this moment. We've gone in. We're closing now. This is a pivotal moment. We're going to have communion just after this. All right? But I'm going to ask you these questions. Are you feeding your soul? Or are you just feeding your senses? 
Because your real joy is not found in having them well fed. Your real joy is found in having your soul fed. And nurtured and looked after. And well done for coming this morning. It's part of feeding it. But it's not enough. You don't feed your, your stomach with a good smell and a good taste once a week. You feed it regularly. Some of you are hungry as I speak. But may our hunger for God be bigger and larger and greater than our hunger for even the five senses to be constantly looked after. I ask you, what does real joy look like for you today? What does real joy look like for you today? Because real joy is only in Christ. And don't be misled that real joy can be found in something else. It cannot, my friend. It is temporal. It is a happening that brings happiness possibly. Do you still find joy in your salvation? Just thinking back. Many of you will have to think back many years. But do you still find joy in being saved? Or do you have an idea what joy in salvation looks like? Because if you don't, we'd love to help you. The joy of being saved is available to all, not just to some. And lastly, does your current joy or happiness have any link to Jesus? Because if it's linked to something else, it's going to be temporal. It's going to be temporal. I've got to let you know. And so as we close this morning, I want us to, to meet around the, the communion tables. And it's available for anyone who has a testimony that joy has started in your life because you're saved. It's not exclusive to people from this church. It's to those that understand what the communion is all about that his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us so that we can be saved and we come together to celebrate and remind ourselves that it is because of him and it's only because of him and so that's going to be available for you and so as we close and i'm going to invite you to again kind of just look deep within your soul about what we've spoken about. And if it's so real to you that Jesus has brought joy to you, won't you take time to meet around the tables? But if it's not real for you, please come and talk to us. Please let us know that, that you're in a place where joy is not part of your being. And as we said, joy is a pervasive, constant being. In that joy. It's not something that happens every now and again. So I want to close. And thank God that we can end this time, time together by celebrating the real reason for our joy. And it's Jesus himself. Let's pray together. Can I ask you to stand? As we stand before our King, we're not standing because maybe it's helpful because we've been sitting for a while. But I want you to stand because we want to recognize that what our souls need is not what our senses can give us. Your senses cannot keep your soul in a good place. Your spirit needs to feed you. The spirit of God wants to feed you. So open your heart to him. Not just this moment. So, Father, as we stand before you this morning, we, 
we thank you that that it made Jesus exceedingly glad when he knew what your will is, and that is to to include people in this wonderful thing called the gospel. I pray for us this morning, Lord God, that we will be able to, if need be, return to the joy of our salvation once again. And if there are people here today, Lord God, that have never experienced and tasted the joy of salvation, I pray that you will help them towards that and that they will be stirred by your spirit to ask, to inquire, to reach out. But Lord, I pray that for each one of us, that the source of our joy will be you and nothing else. And where we actually perhaps even need to repent to, to when acknowledging that we've tried to go and find it in, in people and things and places and, and, and uh, whatever it may be, Lord God, performance and, and abilities that we have in uh, education and accomplishments, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that, that we will be deeply convicted this morning that, that real joy is found in you. Real joy. And where there are people, Lord God, that may struggle with, with great fear in their lives, I pray that they will hear the good news of great joy in Jesus. And so as we just take this moment to pray, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and speak and convict and stir and challenge and invite. But also pray that as we meet around the table now and just celebrate Jesus, that we will again acknowledge that this is where our joy is found. In Christ, in Christ alone. I pray for that, Father, not just for now, but for every single day of our lives as we celebrate Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.